Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. Good morning, everybody. It feels weird coming to you preaching uh, over the hospital uh, channel and also on Facebook Live. It's kind of interesting, so dynamic uh, that that the COVID-19 virus has um, brought families together. That's something that was meant for destruction that God can use for His glory. And it's so interesting that the families are getting together and churches, even though we cannot worship in a sanctuary all together, we're still worshiping together. We're still worshiping in your homes or wherever you may be, on watching on Facebook or even in a hospital room. And it's my prayer uh, that God will use this time uh, so that you're touched and that you are experiencing God in fresh new ways. If you have your Bibles, open up the 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to be talking to you about the enigma of a broken God. The enigma of a broken God. You know, so many times people have says, you know, you're laying in the hospital bed, or you're sick, you're suffering through, or going through stuff, and people will tell you, hey, man, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're feeling. Or worse yet, some of them may, may say, and I hate this cliche, but people say, I feel you, man. I really feel you. And they have no slightest idea what you are talking about. They have no slightest idea what you're going through. Yet they say these trite words because they're just filling the air. They're trying to fill something. It's almost like, you know, someone goes to a funeral and they tell the person who is grieving that their departed loved one is in a better place. They don't really know what they're saying when the loved one wants them back with them. And so, so oftentimes we say things like that and we really don't know what we mean. But can we truly know what someone is going through? The suffering the trials, the, the tribulations, the temptations. Can we really know what someone is going through? My daughter, Brittany, used to say when she was a teenager, she used to say, tell me, Dad, Mom, you don't know me. You don't know my life. And it was true. I had no earthly idea what she was probably going through. or Maybe I might have been able to identify with her if I had truly known. But I really didn't know what kind of struggles that she was going through, even though that we all have been through those type of struggles as teenagers at that time. You know, we've all been there as teenagers. We've gone through those rebellious years and those struggles, you know, uh, peer pressure and love and, and all that stuff. But let me ask you something. In your struggle where you're at right now, whatever it may be, whether it's sickness or disease, whether it's heartache, brokenness, grief, pain, agony, whatever it is, financial crisis, crisis in relationships and families, whatever it is that you are going through right here and right now, God knows what you're going through. God says, I have been there. I know what you are going through. I can identify with you. 
And the world says back to God, God, you can't identify with us. You don't know what we are going through. You're God. You're holy. You're righteous. You're, you're far above all of humanity. How can you truly know what we humans are going through right here and right now? How can we really know? How can you know, God, what you're going through, what I'm going through? God says, I can identify with you because I sent my son into this world to be born of human flesh. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt, or the word tabernacled with us. God, who is the creator of all the cosmos, the universe, all that is, identifies with us by sending his son into the world. God sent his son Jesus to die for us. And the Bible tells us he came in the likeness of all men. God himself lowered himself, it says in Hebrews, the lower than the angels in the likeness of man so that he could identify with you and with me. And the Bible even says that in Isaiah 52, the messianic prophecies in Isaiah, it talks about Jesus said that Isaiah 52 verse 14, so his appearance was marred more than any other man. And his form was more than the sons of men. In Isaiah 53, verses 2 and 3, he says, And there was no stately form of majesty that we should look upon him, no appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like from one, men hide their faces. Realize this, that Jesus was so abandoned, so beaten, so bruised on the cross of Calvary that we should not even look upon him. Jesus was broken for you and for me. Yes, you know, in Greek mythology, the little g gods in Greek mythology, Zeus, Apollos, Nike, they're all strong, they're all big, they're all, you know, someone who cannot identify with the weaknesses of men. They're so otherly. But God, says, I can identify with you in your weaknesses, in your struggles, in your grief, in your sorrow because of my son. And in Luke 23, verse 33, it tells us, and when they went to the place of the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left, that God so identifies with us that he sent us his son not just upon this earth to live and dwell upon this earth, but to die in a death that you and I will never, ever die from in that form. You and I will not die on the cross after being beaten mercilessly by Roman soldiers, lectors, beaten and torn and tattered, and bruised, and lacerated, and pierced upon the cross. But God, in His own wisdom, sent His Son, Jesus, to die for our sins. And the Bible tells us that it's a stumbling block to the Gentiles, and to the Jews, a stumbling block, and the Gentiles, it's foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1.23 The world cannot comprehend Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, 
Jesus, the very Son of God, dying on a cross reserved for criminals and for deserters of the Roman army. To die in a very horrible way for you and for me. And when Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary and it was all over and before his, he gave up his last breath and his heart stopped beating and it was literally imploded from within, he said, it is finished. That is God saying to us, I have been there and I can identify with you. That no matter what you are going through in life, no matter what you are struggling with in life, that God loves us so much he can identify with us in our pain, in our sorrow, in our agony, that God is not some deist in the sky, which means that God, the watchmaker view of philosophy, that God created this world and he's distant, like the Bette Midler song, from a distance, which I kind of hate that song, but that God's from a distant watching over us. And he's not. He's not distant any longer, that God is intimate in our lives. Anthony Campolo writes this in the book A Reasonable Faith. He argues, a pale Galilean, emptied of power, nailed spread eagle to a Roman cross is the hope of all history. The hope of all history. That your hope should not rest in the stock market, the fluctuating stock market that goes ups and downs. It's not in government bailouts. It's not in that money that you're going to receive in three weeks' time framed from the government, from the stimulus rescue package that Congress finally uh, voted for. Your hope is not social security or social insecurity. Your hope is not in finances. Your hope is not in anything on this earth or your spouse even. Your hope is not even in anything else on this earth except Jesus Christ, a pale Galilean emptied of all power. In fact, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things that he might become the merciful and faithful high priest. Let me tell you something, that Jesus knows our griefs and our sorrows. Not too many years ago, my grandparents, first my grandfather and then my grandmother, passed away. Grandfather, Grandma, and Papa and Grandma Kelly. And I miss them so terribly. I also miss my grandparents on my mom's side. But I don't have any more grandparents. They're all passed away. And I was really close to my grandparents, Kelly, really close to them. And so I missed them horribly, terribly sometimes. And I could think about them and I stood tears well up in my eyes. I could just really start crying and remembering those good old times that we had with all of our loved ones. But you know, amidst your suffering and your grief and your sorrows and the pain of your loss, Jesus is right there. God understands, God identifies with us in our sorrows, in our pain, in our grief. Because God the Father let his one and only son to die on the cross for us. So he can identify with us. And that is the enigma of a broken God. That God identifies himself with his brokenness. God himself is not Zeus, who's unbreakable as in Greek mythology, but God himself, the real true living God, is broken because he sent his son 
And he says, I know how you feel and I'm going to cry alongside of you, with you. Jesus Christ, God's one and only son says, I know I have been there. I know what you're going through. I have been there. And what does this COVID-19 virus have on us anyway? We have a promise, a greater glory. And that no matter what we are suffering through on this earth, he is there with us every step of the way. You know, your scars, emotional scars. Scars stay with you. You know, your physical scars, the surgeries and, and the cuts and the wounds, they may stay with you and they will fade in time. And some scars will even disappear. But emotional scars, the trauma that you have experienced in life, the baggage that you have from deployments, or for broken homes, or a broken childhood, they will stay with you forever. But let me tell you something. On the other side of this earth, in eternal glory, like a physical scar, they too will fade in comparison of being in the presence of God. But God knows with us. He identifies with us in our pain, in our sorrow, in our agony. He is there with you as long as you live and beyond. He is there with us. In our text today, in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul's writing, and he says this, he says, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not always boast about myself, but except about my weakness. He's going to boast about his weakness that he has. Even though I should choose to boast, I will not be a fool because I will not be speaking of the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted for what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded to the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I then am strong. In Paul's weakness, he realizes there's true strength in weakness. In your weakness and the things that you go through, those difficulties in life, the things that you say that hold me down, that hinder me from greatness in life, then in reality, those things are the greatness in life. Those things are propelling you to greatness in Jesus Christ that can be used for God's glory. He can take your handicap and use it for God's glory. Your missing limbs he can use for his glory. Your sickness, your disease, your terminal cancer, God can use for his glory. For in our weakness, he is made strong. And I find my strength in God's strength. In fact, H.R. McIntosh says in the book, Experiencing, Experiencing Forgiveness, the power of it, he says, Christ dying is not a sacrifice which makes our sacrifice needless. It makes it possible. So what the Apostle Paul is telling us is that he's going to 
take all those things, that thorn in the flesh, which he pleaded for God to take away three times. And both, all three times, God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. You're going to have that weakness. Whatever it is, we don't know what it was in reality. It could have been blindness, because the Bible does say that his eyes were going dim. Could have been a physical ALT of some sort, an illness. Could have been troublemakers in the church that constantly harassed them. We don't know. And that's the beauty of it. I am glad Paul does not tell us. That way we can identify with him because he is struggling with something. And in fact, he tells us in the scripture, the things I do not want to do, I do. And the things I do, I do not want to do. He said in that crossroads, he's struggling just like you and I struggle. And here, this is where we find our strength in our struggles. And he's taking those limes and making something great. Those lemons and lemonade. As Jimmy Buffett would say, limes and the margaritas. You know, let me tell you something. Those things that you think are sour upon your life, God is going to turn them into something beautiful, something awesome in your life. And God is telling us, this is my body broken for you. When we partake in communion, when you get a chance to partake in communion, it reminds us of the brokenness of Christ. It reminds us of the brokenness of Jesus. This is my body broken for you. Anyway, now and says, when we become aware that we do not have to escape our pains, but that we can mobilize them into a common search for life, those pains are transformed from expressions of despair to those of signs of hope. You remember seeing the, in the news lately, the ships, the hospital ships, the mercy and the comfort. One's going to L.A. and one's going to New York. Those are cash units. A cash unit in the military, for those who don't know, for those especially watching on Facebook Live, a cash combat support hospital. In fact, I was assigned to one in Korea as part of one of my assignments. A combat support hospital. And the idea is that part of the hospital will forward deploy to where it's needed in combat or different situations. In fact, our government is already, the president already mobilized several caches from Fort Campbell and Colorado and Fort Hood and deployed them throughout where they are needed in our country in this fight against the COVID virus. A combat support hospital. That's the way the church is supposed to be. A place of respite, a place of healing, a place of wholeness where both we, the patient, and the, we are the resident physician find a place of healing and wholeness to get together in order we share in those common sufferings and we find healing and hope and restoration. That's what a church is supposed to be. And we, the church, are spread out and forward deployed now in our homes. So we don't have to worry about coming to a sanctuary of stained glass anymore. And that's the place of our worship. Now you are mobilized to have the place of worship in your living room and in your literal prayer closets in your home or in your driveway with your neighbors or wherever it may be around your homes as you're locked down. Let me tell you something. That is where you need to be. That is the church. The church is the ecclesia, the called out ones, not called into a, a church with a steeple and stained glass windows, but called out into the world, just like in the first century. And maybe 
God is using this time of brokenness for our nation and for the world to come to a great awakening in him. Let me tell you something. This is a tremendous opportunity, tremendous opportunity that God has given us to stop from the hustle and bustle of this world. No more sports on Sunday or football or baseball, whatever it is. No more sports. But you get a chance to be with each other. And God is telling us, this is my body broken for you. And in fact, it tells us in the book of James, confess your sins or your hurts to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, James 5, 16. This is a time where we can pray for one another and really dig deep in the scriptures, dig deep in your soul, dig deep into life. Here's a sad thing that's often seen in churches today. You have two people. They're both hurting. They're both full of pain and sorrow and worry and fear and anxiety and all the cares and worries of this world. And they're struggling. And they sit in their church pews. By the way, you know why we shouldn't have pews in church? Because pews stink. Ha ha. So it's kind of hard. Yeah, thank you very much, Tepper Broswell, for laughing. It's kind of hard when you're the only one laughing yourself right now. But here's the thing. These people in church, we often, when we go to church, we say, how are you doing, brother? How are you doing, sister? And we lie to ourselves or lie to others and say, hey, I'm doing fine. I'm doing awesome. I'm doing splendid. And in reality, you're hurting and you're dying inside. That's not the church. The Bible says to confess our sins or our hurt, our pain, our wounds. Confess them. Talk about them. It's, it, yes, we got to be careful not to project our trauma on the other people. But let, let me tell you something. The scripture tells us that we need to confess. We need to let it out. We need to talk it out. We need to be truthful with ourselves and quit lying to ourselves and just tell the truth. Tell it to one another so that we can be healed. Again, the enigma of a broken God is the title of my sermon is that God suffers alongside of us and with us. And he says, I can identify with your pain and with your suffering. I am there with you. 1 Peter 5, 9 says this, that believers throughout all the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You're not alone in this. You're not alone. We're all in it together. We're all here. Let me tell you a story. I'm going to close in just a moment. But let me tell you a story, what, what happened to me. Back in 2011, I deployed to Afghanistan. And after I came back from Afghanistan, I was put into uh, clinical pastoral education. For us Army chaplains, That what that means is it's a program. Like many hospital chaplains throughout America, we have all hospital chaplains have to have CPE, clinical pastoral education. So the Army provided for me to go and get trained, and I went to uh, BAMC, which is uh, Brook Army Medical Center in Fort uh, Sam Houston, Texas, in San Antonio. And I was there for a year getting trained to be a hospital chaplain going through this program. And I just come, that was 2012 when I went to that program. And I just come back from Afghanistan. And I experienced some stuff in Afghanistan I think were, for me at least, traumatic. And 
for the hardened soldier, maybe they may have not been as traumatic as some other things. And I, I recognize that. But for me, it was traumatic. And I remember walking into a hospital room at, shortly after getting into the program and getting settled in, starting visiting patients there as a chaplain clinician. And as I visited a hospital room, one soldier had just came back from Afghanistan. And the, I could smell his uniform. The smell of Afghanistan brought back memories, worry and anxiety. And I couldn't minister to this guy. I couldn't say anything. I just walked in the room, I smelt it, and I stood there frozen for a second, and I just left. You know, it was rude. I was rude, but I, I just freaked out. And I had to get, that's where I had to get healing. And I had to confess that in group setting to other peep chaplains and where we should be all super spiritual, man. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a chaplain, man. You know, I got it all. I got my degrees. I got, you know, got all this going on for me. I'm a minister, ordained pastor. But I had to get healing. I had to get healing. And I did get that healing to where it doesn't bother me anymore when I walk into a room and project my own hurts upon somebody else. But I'm able to listen to their story and to see where they come from. And so what I'm here to tell you is this. We have a God who identifies with us. My wife, for example, was given up for a broken home and given up at 13 for adoption and foster care. And at 15, she was adopted. And she had to struggle with some mistrust and rejection and shame and abandonment issues. And we all have those things. We all struggle through those things of different one degree or another. But she struggled with those in early adulthood life. And let me tell you something. You know who can identify with her? Even though I don't come from a broken home and I couldn't identify with some of those things, God identifies. Jesus identifies with abandonment issues. When everybody deserted him on the cross, even as closest of friends, save only one, John, the beloved, was the only disciple to stand by the cross. Of all the people who heard Jesus preach and teach, when he was carrying that cross to the Via Della Rosa, the streets of sorrow, not one of the disciples, not one of those people in the crowd who were touched by him, not even those nine lepers that were, the ten lepers that were healed and nine came back, and not even any of those lepers shouted out for Jesus' innocence. Jesus suffered abandonment, rejection, shame, as he hung on the cross of Calvary literally naked for you and me. Jesus knows how it feels. When you are, have a disease, when you have been told it's incurable, when you've been told that it's the C word, cancer word, or maybe you've lost your rank and you're being booted out of the military, or maybe when your loved one has passed away, maybe your career is ending, maybe when your finances are in ruin, maybe you're now a jobless because of what's going on with this COVID-19, and maybe you're going to lose your home, your car, you're going to lose everything because of this disease. No matter what you are going through now, or have gone through, or will even go through, God identifies with us. Jesus identifies with us. He has been there. And he's there alongside of us, holding us, crying with us, because he loves you. So let me tell you this, that you have a Savior to look to, to see you through 
all your tithes. Look to him. That's the enigma of a broken God. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, in scriptures you're called Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who heals. Come now and heal our hurts, our wounds, our pains, our trauma. Heal our body, soul, and spirit, our mind, will, and emotions. Cover us inside and out by your blood and cleanse us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Touch us by your eternal presence right here and right now, Lord. I need you in my life. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of your grace that's sufficient in all things. I repent of my sin right here and right now and I accept your grace for my life that is sufficient. I claim your healing for my life. And I look to you, Jesus, as my Lord and Master, my healer, the great physician. Thank you for identifying with me in my pain. And in turn, I trust you and I have faith in you. Jesus, heal me right now. And I give it all to you, Jesus. I give it all back to you to nail on the cross of Calvary so I bear it no more. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Take our self-made yokes from us. Heal us, Lord Jesus. In your holy name we do pray. Amen. And I thank each and every one of you for listening to us on the hospital and also on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening to this. And may God richly bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.